Hi, my name is Arun Bichesuran. And yes, I am firmly convinced that 5G will change the world. Hi, my name is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the weekly podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer this important question. But uh, before we get into 5G, I like to use this podcast to get to know our guests a little bit better. We do that through a recurring segment where I pose three questions from the Proust questionnaire. So Arun, are you ready? Absolutely. Okay, question number one. What is your most treasured possession? Sean, this is going to come out uh, a little bit cheesy, but uh, I treasure my family very much. And then the second question, what is your favorite journey? You know, many, many years ago when I was a kid, I took a journey to the northern part of India, to the Himalayas, uh, to a state called Kashmir. And um, to me, even to this day, that is my most favorite journey. And then the final question, what do you most value in your friends? Ah, that's a good one. I think what I, what I value most is the ability to share a good laugh. Uh, that way, you know, the time that we spend together is all memorable. All right. So, Arun, before we start exploring your perspective on how 5G will change the world, I was hoping you could briefly familiarize our audience uh, with your company and tell us a little bit about your strategic priorities as it relates to 5G. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, Radisys is a company that is uh, more than 30 years old, uh, was founded by um, two engineers from Intel in uh, Portland, Oregon. And over the years has become a major force in the open communications and computing industry. And uh, what is important for Radisys is the uh, ability to operate at the intersection of technology, strategy, and openness. And uh, we have been uh, able to play this, um, uh, the, in this intersection very successfully over the years. Uh, as technology has evolved on the wireless side from 3G to 4G to 5G, as the computing industry has gone about and evolved from uh, on-premise computing to special purpose to cloud, uh, etc., we have been able to uh, navigate all these different inflection points in a successful manner. Um, so that is a little bit about uh, Radisys. Uh, since December of 2018, uh, we are owned by the Reliance Industries Group of uh, India. Uh, which also happens to own um, Reliance Geo, which is the, the number one operator in India. So we have a good uh, sibling relationship with Geo that gives us some unique insights on how consumers are behaving um, and, and gives us the ability to fashion and create new products and new experiences that are relevant for the market. So you mentioned sitting at this intersection of, of technology, strategy, and, and openness. And that seems like it's never been more pointed than it is through this generational upgrade to 5G. What I wanted to particularly explore was RAN disaggregation, which has you know, been something we've talked about as an industry for a number of years, but seems to be approaching an inflection point given some of the interest from multinational operators as well as the just uh, momentum within the uh, ecosystem of companies that drive those specifications and interoperability forward. So when we think of massively scaling 5G, 
What is the network economics problem that you run into following a legacy approach? And then how does taking an open approach to RAN where the bulk of that CapEx is directed solve for that network economics problem? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me just touch upon this intersection a little bit more. Um, if you visualize a Venn diagram in front of you, you got three circles um, kind of connecting with each other. One is technology availability. The second one is economic viability. And the third one is ecosystem vulnerability. And at the intersection of all these three is uh, necessity that really drives change across everything, right? So if you look at um, this kind of a Venn diagram and how the economics start to play, if you start with the ecosystem vulnerability, so what you, what you know uh, is that in the wireless business, especially over the years, the number of players have really shrunk down, uh, going from your 2G to the 3G to the 4G to now the emerging 5G world. Uh, and that makes the, uh, the life of a operator quite difficult because your, your selection field has actually become narrower. Um, and, and that becomes a little bit of a problem because uh, you want to have choice in who you buy from because that encourages innovation it encourages competitiveness and also uh, at the end of the day gives you a competitive cost structure now that being said that it cannot, that ecosystem vulnerability in one sense uh, while it has been tremendously um, uh, advantages for certain vendors uh, puts the operators in a tight spot but this takes us to the next point here where the technology has not been truly available even though we've talked about open standards uh, for many, many years, and I've lived through uh, the complete evolution of wireless technology from 2G to 5G, uh, the technology availability has not really been there in order to make this viable from an economics perspective, right? Uh, and, and now, even though there have been open standards, et cetera, I think in the recent past two to three years, what has happened with opening up even if it is a 3GPP specification, just thinking through creatively how to open it up and disaggregate uh, the software and the hardware brings in a new, uh, new era of how these networks will be built. And that takes us to this third step of economic viability, where what you have now is the ability to define your network and software, control your network and software, uh, direct traffic where you want it, all in software, and just use white box hardware underneath. And that ability, uh, that freedom between software and hardware inherently gives you tremendous leverage on how to build these networks and how to massively scale them. Because the economic problem now is that you're no longer tied to appliances that last only for a certain lifespan. And then after that lifespan, you've got to change out that entire appliance, which means that there's an operational cost involved, there is a CapEx cost involved, uh, and the underlying hardware changes, so your O&M costs start to go up. But if you look at it as a separation between software and hardware, you know, the hardware can keep pace independently of how the software evolves. And software can be more dynamic. You can have CICD kind of activity where, uh, you know, the pace of change can actually uh, be much faster. And then the hardware evolution, you can take care of it uh, as the hardware uh, platforms uh, become better, faster, cheaper, so on and so forth. So this power of disaggregation is how the economic viability for the scaling actually starts to kick in. Uh, Ron, Radisys, uh, 
recently worked with KDDI research on a demonstration of RAN slicing. And, and, you know, this is where to me 5G gets really exciting when we can think of these uh, unified infrastructures that support these virtualized network partitions optimally and automatically delivered to the end user. And I just wanted to learn a little bit more about this particular demonstration where you were using a single RU and uh, sending different traffic streams with varying latency requirements to multiple distributed units. So how does that fit into operators' broader long-term strategies around being able to monetize 5G services? Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you look at the way current networks are structured, uh, you've got coverage uh, you know, for a certain area defined by a cell site. And all kinds of traffic just go through that cell site. And they, you know, even though quality of service mechanisms exist, the ability to prioritize one traffic type over the other, or even use a chain of functions that will suit that one particular traffic type better is actually very hard to implement. Uh, so for example, on the same site, you know, in the future, if you want to be able to serve a super low latency application, such as say an autonomous vehicle. And also give people the ability to watch a YouTube video uh, on streaming and have the ability to have a multi-party uh, voice call. Well, these are three fundamentally different traffic types. And you might want to have in the path of the YouTube video, maybe a local cache video streaming server that can deliver that content in the most effective manner. For your autonomous vehicle, you might need a, a, um, uh, a node at the edge of the network that is, that is communicating not only with one vehicle, but also the smart city infrastructure. And then for voice, what you probably need is the ability to handle multiple connections of relatively low bitrate, but with uh, you know, very strict latency requirements. So, the ability to, to handle all these multiple traffic types, direct them to the appropriate kind of computing infrastructure uh, can be achieved if you use slicing in a smart way. And that is what we demonstrated together with KDDI. So we take multiple traffic types, all coming off of what seems like a single pipe of wireless interface, but in the back end, using slicing, we direct them to different kinds of DUs, which essentially are then mated in the back end with different kinds of computing. Uh, and processing infrastructure that is then able to deal with the traffic type based on what that stream is. And that is what was so powerful about that particular demo. When I think about network slicing, what's really interesting to me is, is I think there's this, um, uh, there's this general move to kind of silo it off and think of it as, as surely a, a technological outcome. If only I can invest in enough in the network to deliver this slice, then I'll be all set. But it's a lot more than network modernization. You gave a lot of examples of different services with different QoS requirements that would occupy these different slices. And so when you think about billing for that, metering for that, the, you also need to expect this network modernization to come with an OSS BSS transformation. And then when you think about the service opportunity, you've got this network that can rapidly offer up a new service, but then you've got to have this workforce transformation to correctly use the network to create that new service. So it's just really this multi-tiered challenge beyond just the technology. 
I'm curious as you engage with operators, do you get the impression that they're considering this holistically or do you think about network as one thing, workforce as another thing and, and so forth? I think that's a, that's a very interesting question, Sean. This is gonna require more than operators to actually um, realize in the world. It's gonna require the intersection collaboration between operators and industrials aiming to become digital industrials. And, and when, when both of those parties are able to collaborate and create slices that, that actually benefit not just the workforce, but the workflow uh, on how things get done, that is when you'll see the true realization of this. You know, we are working with the operators on one side, but we are also working with a couple of digital industrials um, on the other side in the healthcare space, for example. And we are starting to see these things come together. Um, when, you're, when you're looking at, uh, especially in today's scenario, for example, if there was a way to uh, get compliance information, uh, um, you know, in, in near real time, in terms of how people are behaving, uh, with respect to taking their medication or whether it's isolation or whatever it is, right? Uh, the, the workflow uh, has to kind of take advantage of the new technologies that are available. And that is what leads us to this whole era of digital industrialization uh, using 5G networks, where each industry will benefit in its own unique way. Um, and and uh, we are uh, in many ways in the middle of this. Uh, working and demonstrating all these capabilities. So lots of people want to talk to us. So it's a super exciting time to be in the industry, actually. Yeah, so what's the big picture there, Ron? You're engaged with these digital industrial players. You obviously have your, your existing operator customers, and you mentioned 5G's ability to kind of deliver a unique type of transformation to each industry. So, so what's, the, what's the sum total? How does that change the world, and, and what is the role that Radisys plays in that? So that's a, Radisys, Radisys is a fundamental enabler uh, for uh, many things that will happen with 5G. Uh, we, we have been in the business of creating and licensing protocol stacks, both on the RAN side and on the code network side, that has been adopted by many industry players. And we, we continue to see uh, increasing interest uh, for that part of our portfolio, that part of the business. Um, so that is one thing where our software is going to be in many different industries, in many different uh, operator networks, uh, many times through you know, our partners who are taking our stack and creating fully finished products. So that is one clear role that we have. Now, the second role that we play is one of an integrator. So what happens is, as many players uh, that, that want to play in this field, in this area of disaggregation, somebody still needs to make sure that when you connect uh, two pieces of either software or a combination of software and hardware together, that these protocols actually can talk to each other in a seamless manner all the time. And many, in many cases, we're being asked to come in as an integrator to actually help bring these systems together on an end-to-end -end basis. So one of the things that we did was, for example, uh, we were the integrator of choice for a PluckFest, for a 5G PluckFest that happened um, in Asia. And, and uh, more and more operators are beginning to see the value of that because it is one thing to disaggregate and have multiple vendors for hardware and software, but you still would like for somebody to provide that assurance that things are going to work. And because our inherent strength is working at the protocol level and at the stack level, 
we bring in an amazing amount of knowledge on how to actually tweak both sides of the equation so that they talk to each other. So that integrate role uh, is, is starting to become more and more valuable uh, for the industry. And then the third thing uh, that we are able to do is to, is to bring the perspective of managing this complexity. So it is one thing to integrate it and put it together, but how do you actually manage the life cycle of this on an ongoing basis? How do you ensure that things continue to stay interoperable and one, uh, a change in one side doesn't end up breaking the entire chain, right? So uh, the ability to provide assurance and manage services that uh, networks that are built this way, workflows that are built this way will continue to operate and we have the ability to uh, monitor and manage these kinds of flows uh, is starting to become a pretty important um, role for us in the industry. So enable, integrate and manage, those are the three ways in which Radisys is gonna play a role in the future of 5G. Well, Ron, it's always a pleasure speaking with you and I really appreciate you taking the time to answer the question, will 5G change the world? Absolutely, it will. G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Thanks for listening.